story with me Love who you want to be, who you are Learn these lessons and we'll go far It's story time Story time Story time with Mama G Hello everybody, it's Mama G here in your Luggles And you are listening to the Story Time with Mama G podcast. Whoop, 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 whoop. I hope you are all well. I hope you have all had an absolutely delightful week I have had. Well, I have had a wonderful week because I have been in Gravesend at the gorgeous Woodville rehearsing for my Christmas pantomime Rapunzel in which I shall be playing Dame Dolly Dumpling, and she's rather fun. Uh, I don't want to give anything away, just in case you're going to come and see it, but she might have a bit of a wind problem, which is very unlike me, actually. I am, of course, a terribly polite person. Now, of course, there is still a pandemic going on across the world, and very much so here in the UK, which is where I am based. So we're still a bit up in the air about what could be going on and if performances will be able to take place by the time we open. So you'll also be pleased to know that we are filming the production and you will be able to download it and watch it from your own homes, which is marvellous because I know that a fair few of you who listen to me do not live near Gravesend. Some of you don't even live in the UK, which I think is absolutely delightful. So now you will be able to watch me in pantomime from wherever you are in the world. Isn't that exciting? And for those of you who are listening from uh, countries that may not have a pantomime tradition, you are probably wondering what on earth a pantomime is. And you might even think, what's a pantomime dame? Well, watch the pantomime. Watch Rapunzel from the Woodville and you can see what a pantomime is for yourselves. And if you want to find out what a pantomime dame is, you can, of course, go to my social media, which is Mamagee Stories on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. So go and look me up, my sweethearts. But now, well, you are, of course, here for a story and I do not want you to be disappointed So, I think we should get on with Chapter 2 of The Canterville Ghost by Oscar Wilde. Now, if you need a bit of reminding about what happened in Chapter 1, well, the Otis family arrived from New York at uh, Canterville Chase, which is a manor house somewhere in the UK. I would hazard a guess as either Surrey or Cumbria. They are, of course, particularly spooky areas. And they have met their housekeeper, Mrs. Umney, who tries to warn them that there is a ghost at Canterville Chase, but they do not believe her. They do, however, notice a bloodstain on the carpet, which Washington, who is one of the sons of the family, gets out with some stain remover. But rather strange things are about to occur. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy Chapter 2 of 
The Canterville Ghost by Oscar Wilde. The storm raged fiercely all that night, but nothing of particular note occurred. The next morning, however, when they came down to breakfast, they found the terrible stain of blood once again on the floor. I don't think it can be the fault of the paragon detergent, said Washington, for I have tried it with everything. It must be the ghost. He accordingly rubbed out the stain a second time, but the second morning it appeared again. The third morning also it was there, though the library had been locked up at night by Mr. Otis himself and the key carried upstairs. The whole family were now quite interested. Mr. Otis began to suspect that he had been too dogmatic in his denial of the existence of ghosts. Mrs. Otis expressed her intention of joining the Psychical Society, and Washington prepared a long letter to Messrs. Myers and Podmore on the subject of the permanence of sanguineous stains when connected with crime. That night, all doubts about the objective existence of phantasmata were removed forever. The day had been warm and sunny, and in the cool of the evening the whole family went out to drive. They did not return home till nine o'clock, when they had a light supper. The conversation in no way turned upon ghosts, so there were not even those primary conditions of receptive expectation which so often precede the presentation of psychical phenomena. The subjects discussed as I have since learnt from Mr. Otis, were merely such as form the ordinary conversation of cultured Americans of the better class, such as the immense superiority of Miss Fanny Davenport over Sarah Bernhardt as an actress, the difficulty of obtaining green corn, buckwheat cakes and hominy even in the best English houses, the importance of Boston in the development of the world's soul, the advantages of the baggage-check system in railway travelling, and the sweetness of the New York accent as compared to the London drawl. No mention at all was made of the supernatural, nor was Sir Simon de Canterville alluded to in any way. At eleven o'clock the family retired, and by half-past all the lights were out. Some time after, Mr. Otis was awakened by a curious noise in the corridor outside his room. It sounded like the clank of metal, and seemed to be coming nearer every moment. He got up at once, struck a match, and looked at the time. It was exactly one o'clock. He was quite calm, and felt his pulse, which was not at all feverish. The strange noise still continued, and with it he heard distinctly the sound of footsteps. He put on his slippers, took a small oblong file out of his dressing case, and opened the door. 
Right in front of him he saw, in the wan moonlight, an old man of terrible aspect. His eyes were as red burning coals. Long grey hair fell over his shoulders in matted coils. His garments, which were of antique cut, were soiled and ragged, and from his wrists and ankles hung heavy manacles and rusty guys. My dear sir, said Mr. Otis, I really must insist on your oiling those chains, and have brought you for that purpose a small bottle of the Tammany Rising Sun Lubricator. It is said to be completely efficacious upon one application, and there are several testimonials to that effect on the wrapper from some of our most eminent native divines. I shall leave it here for you by the bedroom candles, and will be happy to supply you with more should you require it. With these words, the United States minister laid the bottle down on a marble table and, closing his door, retired to rest. For a moment, the Canterville ghost stood quite motionless in natural indignation. Then, dashing the bottle violently upon the polished floor, he fled down the corridor, uttering hollow groans and emitting a ghastly green light. Just, however, as he reached the top of the great oak staircase, a door was flung open. Two little white-robed figures appeared, and a large pillow whizzed past his head. There was evidently no time to be lost, so hastily adopting the fourth dimension of space as a means of escape, he vanished through the wainscoting, and the house became quite quiet. On reaching a small secret chamber in the left wing, he leant up against a moonbeam to recover his breath and began to try and realise his position. Never, in a brilliant and uninterrupted career of three hundred years, had he been so grossly insulted. He thought of the dowager duchess, whom he had frightened into a fit as she stood before the glass in her lace and diamonds of the housemaids, who had gone off in hysterics when he merely grinned at them through the curtains of one of the spare bedrooms, of the rector of the parish, whose candle he had blown out as he was coming late one night from the library, and who had been under the care of Sir William Gull ever since, a perfect martyr to nervous disorders, and of old Madame de Tremouille, who, having wakened up one morning early and seen a skeleton seated in an armchair by the fire reading her diary, had been confined to her bed for six weeks with an attack of brain fever and, on her recovery, had become reconciled to the church and broken off her connection with that notorious sceptic, Monsieur de Voltaire. He remembered the terrible night when the wicked Lord Canterville was found choking in his dressing-room with the knave of diamonds halfway down his throat and confessed just before he died that he had cheated Charles James Fox out of fifty thousand pounds at Crockford's by means of that very card and swore that the ghost had made him swallow it. All his great achievements came back to him again from the butler who had shot himself in the pantry because he had seen a green hand tapping at the window pane, to the beautiful Lady Stutfield, 
who was always obliged to wear a black velvet band around her throat to hide the mark of five fingers burnt upon her white skin, and who drowned herself at last in the carp pond at the end of the king's walk. With the enthusiastic egotism of the true artist, he went over his most celebrated performances and smiled bitterly to himself as he recalled to mind his last appearance as Red Reuben or the Strangled Babe, his debut as Gaunt Gideon, the bloodsucker of Bexley Moor, and the Ferrari he had excited one lovely June evening by merely playing nine pins with his own bones upon the lawn tennis ground. And after all this, some wretched modern Americans were to come and offer him the rising sun lubricator and throw pillows at his head? It was quite unbearable. Besides, no ghost in history had ever been treated in this manner. Accordingly, he determined to have vengeance and remained till daylight in an attitude of deep thought. Now, I realise that uh, what we didn't talk about last week, which I absolutely meant to mention, was that terrible American accent. But to be truthful, I, I don't think it's that bad, but I think you can definitely tell that I am not American, and I would like to improve on that. So if there are any Americans listening to this podcast, and please do give me some very honest feedback on how I could improve my accent. Now, some of you may know that when I studied drama, I actually studied in Texas briefly, and the Texas accent is, is very unique, and that may slightly have hindered me being able to do a ordinary, uh, what do they call it, general American accent, because, of course, I was surrounded by the delightful southern drawl of Texans, and I love the Texan accent. I absolutely love it. And actually, I have to say, I think that Texas was a rather beautiful state, and I feel very lucky that uh, it's a place that I have visited and experienced and know many people from. So uh, thank you. And if you're one of my many Texan friends listening, well, howdy. I hope you are all well. And I miss you all terribly. And most of you I have not seen for about 16 years. But of course, we do keep up to date on Facebook, so that's rather delightful. So I feel like I know all about your children and your love lives and uh, even what movies you like. Um, but the problem with Facebook, and this is something for the younger listeners that you'll understand as you, as you grow up and you're able to use a Facebook account yourself, is it, it's like being near someone, but also like being distant from them at the same time. They are certainly not a replacement for maintaining excellent and healthy friendships in real life. Well, uh, my next book, well, my book of the week, actually, is, is along those themes. It's written by somebody who I once worked with in Italy, 
and that was probably about 13 or 14 years ago. And we're friends on Facebook, so I know things about our life, but uh, we haven't really stayed in touch as friends, do you know what I mean? But recently, she has published a book through her own publishing house, which is rather amazing, and I'm rather enamoured and in awe of people who can do such wonderful things. Uh, so, let's find out what the book of the week is, shall we? Now, the book of the week is perfect for Christmas, and I think it will make a lovely Christmas present for under sevens, for the young readers amongst you. It is called The Glowing Snowman, and it's written by Helen Goodbarton and Sophie Johnson Hills, and it is published by Sojo and Mouse, which is a small publishing company uh, run by Helen and Sophie themselves. So when you buy this book, you can also be supporting a small independent business, which is really terribly important because, especially in a year like this, where a lot of businesses have been hit so hard, uh, these are the very people that we should be supporting. Now, it's a rather lovely book about a snowman that gets built by a little girl, but then, rather distressingly, he does get abandoned, and it makes him think that he's not good enough and that he can't be loved. And throughout the course of the book, he meets lots of animals that come along and they have various reasons for visiting him. Some use him as a tent, and others get snuggly and warm inside his mouth. But they are transient, which means they come and they go. But eventually, the snowman meets a firefly that makes everything a bit better. And that might just be where the name of the book comes from. Now, it's all written in rhyme, and you know I love things that rhyme. It's a rather sweet and gorgeous story, and it's, it's hopeful, and it deals with some emotions that we all understand, no matter our age, worrying that we won't make friends. Uh, but because it's so hopeful, I think you'll be left with the feeling that friendships are possible, and you don't always know who your friends are going to be, and sometimes they're not the people that you expect. So, uh, oh, the illustrations. I really like the style of illustration because some of the pictures have been drawn by children local to where Helen and Sophie live. So it's a really a work of love and a work of community. And that's the best thing about Christmas, isn't it? Is working together and our spirit and sharing joy in things that we've created together, whether that's family life, whether that's friendship, whether that's giving presents that we've made for each other. I, I can't really say enough about this book. I think it's absolutely wonderful. And even though I have not spoken to Helen for a number of years, I would love for you to go and support her because I just love it when people are creative and do the work themselves, as I feel I do. They don't go off and wait for someone to create the opportunities for them. They 
take the bull by the horns and do it themselves. So, as they say in Legally Blonde, snaps, don't know if you can hear that, snaps to Helen and Sophie for something marvellous and something that is absolutely wonderful for Christmas. So, uh, what I should have checked, oh, what you need to do to buy a copy of the book is you need to go to Sojo Mouse, that's S-O-J-O Mouse, dot wordpress dot com slash books and you can buy a copy or even two or three or four books from them and i will also put the link in the description of this podcast so if you're on a computer or your phone you can just click that link and go and buy some books so the book of the week was the glowing snowman by helen goodbarton and sophie johnson hill published by sojo and mouse Well, here we are, finding ourselves at the end of another fabulous, exciting, wonderful story time with Mama G podcast. Now, don't forget, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for at Mama G Stories. Uh, you can still get tickets to see me in Rapunzel at the Woodville in Gravesend. Of course, I would check the Gravesend Panto Facebook or the Woodville's website for more details about when performances are happening. And of course, if you're interested in watching a download of the film, then also check out those uh, websites and Facebook pages too. But I will, when that is available, post links uh, so you can purchase a copy. And uh, Eunice the Musical is still taking place at the Stanley Halls in South Norwood and rather thrillingly, we have added some extra performances on the 15th of December, the 26th of December and the 27th of December. Tickets are available to purchase at stanleyhalls.org.uk slash box office. And are you ready for an announcement? Drum roll, please. You can see me in another pantomime. Oh, uh, January the 6th to January the 10th, I will be playing granny in little red riding hood at the lion and unicorn theater in kentish town which is in north london so keep your eyes peeled uh, for more information about that but you can go ahead and buy tickets from www.thelionandunicorntheatre.com i will be back next week with part three of The Canterville Ghost. And in the meantime, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Memogy Stories. And every Sunday at 1pm, you can listen to me on Glitterbeam Radio. You'll just need to download the app or find them on the internet. And that is, of course, 1pm Greenwich Mean Time, which means that's 1pm in the UK. Well, I will see you all next week. Goodbye. Story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Mama G.